Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You and I have been discussing the the unintended consequences and all of the ramifications that have come about as a result of this uh, coronavirus, this COVID-19 pandemic. Some of them have been silver linings. I have bored you with uh, too many stories about my beautiful little baby Piper and how I've been able to, uh, due to working from home, uh, witness so many firsts. I saw her take her first bites. Uh, I think we're a few days away from seeing her take her first steps. Uh, I have been greatly blessed. Uh, because of that, silver linings. We'll later on talk about some of the financial benefits that individuals, many uh, families here in Utah, have experienced as a result of this uh, coronavirus. Uh, and yet, there are also some incredibly heartbreaking realities to come about as a result. We have uh, been studying over the past few weeks, uh, domestic violence numbers are up. Uh, and well, another area where there are tragic results of the uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, has to do with opioid-related deaths and, and drug abuse in general. Let me tell you uh, a quick story. Because we here at KSL have been exercising the social distancing, uh, the, the staff meetings are, are being held at a minimum. Uh, we, we don't get together in the conference rooms uh, like we used to. Uh, and so now in an effort to you know, maintain some face-to-face -face time and to uh, replicate in some fashion staff meetings, uh, we've been periodically getting together uh, at uh, different parks and outdoor areas. And not too long ago, the team and I uh, were gathered together at Liberty Park uh, in Salt Lake City. And as we were sitting there in the circle, uh, talking back and forth, you know, good social distance and all that. Uh, while we were there having our meeting, about half a dozen individuals, not uh, with the station or with the show's team, uh, came up, uh, and some of them just quietly sat down near the circle, and uh, one gentleman uh, whispered into to someone's ear and said, hey, is this, is this the meeting? And what, what we quickly came to realize was that each of those half dozen individuals that came and approached our circle, uh, they thought uh, they thought that they were... Uh, that they were getting together at an NA or an AA meeting. And we had to explain to them, no, 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 it, uh, this isn't that kind of meeting. Uh, you may be meeting here or there. And the reason that breaks my heart is that it reveals uh, the reality that uh, these types of meetings have been displaced and that the, the routine and the, uh, the resource for help that have been enjoyed for, for so long uh, by those uh, suffering from uh, alcohol or narcotics uh, addiction uh, troubles, the, 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 their resources have been impacted greatly. And I can only imagine that there are some uh, that didn't get the memo about the, the alternate location at the park and maybe are battling those demons all on their own. Just a quick observation of my own. Now uh, let's hear from an expert. Uh, on the line, 
Uh, we're joined by Dr. Paul Christo, director of the Multidisciplinary Pain Fellowship Program at Johns Hopkins University. He has made some uh, significant observations in terms of this opioid epidemic, specifically how it's been impacted in the midst of this uh, coronavirus. Dr. Sir, thanks for your time. How are you? Oh, just fine. Thank you for having me. No, of course. Uh, Tell me, in terms of uh, what does the situation look like right now? How bad is it, and how has it been impacted by uh, the coronavirus? Well, we've certainly seen an uptick, you know, significant uptick, actually, in the number of deaths associated with um, illicit drugs uh, during COVID-19. And, you know, it started in March, April, May, June. I mean, it's continuing, and it's alarming. I think why we're seeing this is that, uh, the global pandemic has left a lot of people, you know, um, economically deprived and um, has led to a lot of anxiety, depression and social isolation. And all these factors, when put together, have led more and more people to the use of uh, illegal drugs. Interestingly, the, there there are many legitimate businesses around the country and we have all become now supply chain experts and we understand how interruptions to supply chain can impact price and stock and supply and all that. Uh, but interestingly, the drug trade is not immune from uh, its own supply chain problems. How are, how are, uh, how is that reality having an impact uh, on these figures? What we've seen over the last certain number of months, especially in, uh, I think, March, April, is that that supply of illegal drugs from, say, Mexico was disrupted. And to replace that, we've seen a lot of synthetic opioids available on the streets, like synthetically manufactured fentanyl, for example, which is a major, major problem in across the states, especially, say, in California and San Diego. And, and fentanyl, remember now, is a synthetic opioid. It's, you know, about 100 times more potent than morphine, 50 times more potent than heroin. So even small amounts of this that are taken can lead to death, and we're seeing that more and more. Now, there are some measurable numbers, but then there are fears that the reality is much larger than what's being measured. What's the what's worst-case scenario right now? Well, you know, even before the global pandemic, uh, the CDC, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I think, released a number along the lines of about 71,000 overdose deaths. Now, that's huge, and that really even comes before the COVID 19 pandemic. Uh, a lot of those deaths, so about half of those deaths, are were related to uh, opioids of some sort, mainly, you know, illicit opioids. So we're not really talking anymore about opioids that are prescription. So, you know, the, the opioid epidemic many years ago started from prescription opioids transition to heroin. And now over the last several years, we've seen a spike in overdose deaths related to illicit opioids. I think that's an important distinction. We're speaking with Dr. Paul Christo, his website, drpaulchristomd.com. Last question I'll ask you, doctor, what, what can be done about all this and what is being done? Well, the good news is this. I think that we've learned uh, during COVID-19 that we, we have expanded access to telehealth. 
and telemedicine, and that's actually been a boon for those in need of substance abuse services, mental health practitioners, counselors. That's more available. Also, we've got greater availability of what are called medication-assisted treatments. These are medications like buprenorphine, suboxone, methadone, which are really crucial to prevent relapse. Those are more available now as well. So I think there's hope on the horizon. We're seeing that now, and um, I think Really, the best is yet to come in terms of treatment services for those in need. Outstanding. Uh, Dr. Cristo, thank you so much for your time and expertise. My pleasure. Thank you. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to jump into a totally different topic, and it has to do uh, with the news itself and where information is gathered uh, by reporters and producers and talk show hosts like me, specifically when it comes to our reliance on anonymous sources. I've got some views on that. I think that anonymous sources may be being overused these days. I'll share it with you exactly why next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.